Welcome to the Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Albert, and as always, I am so glad you are listening to this podcast today. If you have been following along this season, I've been discussing ancient and contemplative spirituality, how these different practices have uh, the ability to rekindle our faith when it's no longer working, how they allow us to experience the mystery and the expansiveness of the divine. It has a way to heal our souls, to center ourselves, calm our anxiety, and it can be a catalyst as well as sustain us for outward action. More recently, if you've been listening, I have been interviewing people who I think are wise sages on this journey to discovering such practices. And I've had some incredible guests and I have some incredible guests lined up in the future. Uh, in upcoming episodes, I have some great friends, uh, some colleagues, and some people that I have always wanted to talk to. Some of these people, uh, Megan Westra, Aaron Nequist, Jim Keat, Yael Shai, Colby Martins, and a bunch of others. But in light of all that is going on in our country right now, I feel I need to pause those episodes. I'm going to release them in a few weeks in a new schedule. And for the next few weeks, I want to have important conversations that I think we need to be having. So I wanna talk about whiteness. I wanna talk about our racial biases and privilege. I wanna talk about dismantling white supremacy and systemic injustice, as well as resource all of us while amplifying the voices and crucial work of others. Uh, so as an introduction to that, I wanna share a short story. I wanna give some resources, and then I wanna lead us through a contemplative prayer that I hope will center us as we begin and continue this essential work. During this pandemic, I've been spending significant amount of time outside in our backyard, and I've spent some time digging up roots and weeds all in my backyard. For as green as my yard is, it's not really grass, it's mostly weeds. But in our backyard, there's a tree that was once covered in vines. Around the base of the tree are these huge vine roots that have been cut down, but they, they were never uprooted. And so my wife and I decided not too long ago to dig them up so we could lay some mulch around the tree. The more we started, more digging, the harder we were pulling, the more we realized this was going to be way more uh, time and a bigger job than we had anticipated. So we started with a hand shovel, thinking we could easily yank up these vines. They were old, they were thick, we could get them. And we quickly realized that we needed a shovel to dig deeper and wider. And then we discovered what seemed like stumps four or five inches across, buried underground. And as we ripped up these roots, uh, dirt flew everywhere. It was on our clothes and on our faces, on our mouths, on our kids. A few times, uh, I yanked a root so hard that when it snapped off, I fell to the ground, uh, which my son found somewhat enjoyable. But during this whole time, our son kept yelling at us, are you ripping up the tree roots? Are you going to dig up the whole tree? Don't kill the tree, he kept saying. And we kept reassuring him over and over, no, we're taking up the vines that, that actually were inhibiting the tree from growing. We're trying to save the tree, son. We kept reassuring him. And so this was hard and difficult and messy and exhausting and painful work. But I think it's an apt metaphor for the work we as white people need to do concerning racism, white privilege, white supremacy, and systemic injustice and racism. Now, racism has deep and strong roots in our history and in our culture, and we cannot deny this. If you do, you need to read your history. 
But there is an entire system that is full of injustice, deep and long, just under the grass, that it actually continues to inhibit growth. And yet for most of us, we don't see it. Or or maybe I should say we don't want to see it. Or maybe I should say we refuse to see it. And not only do we not see it or refuse to see it, but as white people, we don't talk about race very often. We don't think about race very often. We don't hang out with other white people and we talk about our whiteness. We don't do that. And so when these topics come up, we often don't know what to say. or We don't know how to say it. And we don't know what to do. And we end up becoming defensive or offended or not being a part of the conversation at all, ultimately doing more harm than good. We let the roots stay there instead of dig them up. But the more we see, the more we learn, the more we listen, the more we will see just how pervasive it is. There are racist roots in our culture permeating most of our systems, most of our institutions and policies, and it is deep within our own hearts. And these evil roots have overtaken and have wreaked havoc on every aspect of the garden. And we need to dig them up. We need to uproot them. And this is our problem, my fellow white people. It's our problem to name. It's our roots to uproot. And it's our job to fix it. As a white man, I confess that I thought I was being anti-racist by saying, I'm not a racist, but in reality, I harbored racial biases that affect how I think about certain topics and systems and policies and most sadly, people. And I have said racist and offensive things, and I have laughed at racist jokes. And like many white people, I have been well-intended but highly ignorant, trying to be colorblind, when in reality, colorblindness is diminishing the image of God in other people. And I have benefited from racist systems while these same systems deeply hurt and oppress others. And I have been complicit rather than calling it out. I have let the roots of these racist vines grow rather than working to dig them up and rid the soil of them. Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, echoing the words of Angela Davis, says we cannot simply be not racist because being not racist still creates racist ideas, racist policies, and a racist society. Instead, we have to, as he says, become anti-racists who work to create anti-racist ideas, anti-racist policies, and anti-racist society. And so this is going to be hard and messy and exhausting and painful work, no doubt about it. The more we dig up, the more the ugliness we will find, the the deeper the roots go and the thicker they are. And we're going to get covered in dirt and we'll fall down as we rip things up and we'll probably be sore the next day and we'll mess things up and say things we don't mean. And as we dig up, we're going to make a big old mess that we'll eventually have to clean up. And when we start naming and uprooting the weeds, people will yell at us, are you ripping up the tree roots? Don't kill the tree. Why are you making this a race issue? I'm not racist. This is just some liberal nonsense. I don't see color. I haven't benefited from privilege. I've worked for everything I have. I didn't own slaves. All lives matter. And we will need to reassure them that their well-intended phrases are actually doing more harm than good pointing out the important work of saving the tree. So we need to learn our history. We got to acknowledge the reality. We need to speak up, white people, and we need to speak out 
We need to repent and we need to apologize. And then we need to shut up and listen and learn. We need to find the roots of racism within our, within our own hearts, within our own lives. And instead of trying to become woke, we need to become the fixers and the repairers. Instead of unknowingly benefiting from racist systems, we need to become the dismantlers of racist systems. We need to uproot the entire system and fix it because we created it. We need to become the anti-racists who are working to create anti-racist policies, systems, culture, and world. So let me just offer you a few resources that have opened my eyes on this journey. I'll put all the links of these in the show notes. And eventually I'm working to create a document that I can send out via my newsletter. So you can subscribe to that, nathanalbert.com slash subscribe. And I'll send that out as a PDF soon. But first, just some podcasts. I mean, I love me some podcasts. I have way too many. I listen to them at like two and a half this two and a half times the speed. So I just want to start there with a few that I'm currently listening to that I think are great. Uh, first and foremost is Code Switch, an incredible podcast hosted by NPR. Uh, it, it's awesome. Then there's Existential, Momentum, Pass the Mic, Profane Faith, Speaking of Racism, and White Homework. These are awesome. Go subscribe, uh, go listen, and I think they're going to be incredible resources to you. Now, second, there are so many books that I can recommend. I mean, some of these books that I'm going to say are already sold on Amazon and other places. I'm sorry. Um, Don't overpay for them, like $500, like on Amazon. But go to some local bookshops, or if you can buy a Kindle version, do that. But place an order. Uh, Buy a couple copies if you can, so you can give them to friends. Read them, then talk about them with others. The most impactful for me have been the new Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. This is by Michelle Alexander, and she focuses how we're living in this new Jim Crow, that we are in a society where there are more people incarcerated today than there were slaves in the height of um, slavery. And that slavery didn't end, but it has evolved from slavery to Jim Crow to Reconstruction through the Civil Rights Era to what we have now in mass mass incarceration. That uh, slavery hasn't ended, but it is still here. It has evolved. Uh, It's a great sociological, statistic-based book, and I highly recommend that to you. It partners well with Brian Stevenson's Just Mercy. Uh, His is a little more narrative, but it also speaks of how slavery hasn't gone away. It's simply uh, gone underground, and it continues to rear its head. As I mentioned earlier, Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, he's written How to Be an Anti-Racist and Stamped from the Beginning, two incredible books probably two of my favorite on this subject, uh, as he talks about how racist ideas become racist policies and how we have to become anti-racist, not simply not racist. Uh, We're either racist or we're anti-racist. And we, in the moment, have to choose uh, to be anti-racist and racist. And that as we choose to become anti-racist, we dis- we dismantle race. We can dismantle racist policies um, and make a more anti-racist community and culture. He's also just released a kid book called Anti-Racist Baby. It's one of those board books, and he also has a young uh, young adult version of Stamped from the Beginning called Stamped: Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, which is a great book that goes uh, goes over the whole history. Um, and it is, it's a wonderful resource. 
I'd also recommend anything by Ta-Nehisi Coates. He's written Between the World and Me, We Were Eight Years in Power, The Case for Reparations. I just finished The Water Dancer, which is his novel, uh, but that is a great book as well. Anything by James Cone, especially The Cross and the Lynching Tree and God of the Oppressed. I think he is, um, as a um, liberation theologian, uh, his stuff is out of this world, real good. James Baldwin and Cornell West are also great. Uh, I would recommend reading as much as you can about them. There's a bunch of other books you'll see in the show notes, but The Warmth of Other Son- of, of Other Sons, Slavery by Another Name, I Just Finished The Color of Law, uh, I'm Still Here, Tears We Cannot Stop, and Trouble I've Seen. These are wonderful. And especially for white audiences, uh, White Fragility is an incredible book. White Like Me, Waking Up White, White Awake, Raising White Kids, and Rediscipling the White Church. I highly recommend all of those. Uh, and in a couple weeks, I'm going to have an interview with David Swanson, who wrote Rediscipling the White Church. And I think you're going to really, really not only enjoy that conversation, but I think you will really uh, imp- be impacted by that book. Finally, if you're looking for some good kid books on all of this, I recommend checking out socialjusticebooks.org. Uh, that's got a whole slew of them. So there's all my resources. There's a lot. You might need to go back and write those down, um, shoot me an email or a message, and I can uh, fill you in on more books if you want. But for me, these have been resources where I have learned um, and stayed quiet and learned about the pervasiveness of these vines and roots of racism that are permeating our culture. And they have given me, um, they have just expanded all my understanding. They've opened my eyes. Um, they've challenged me. They've, they've been a punch in the gut, punch in the face. Um, they've humbled me uh, and have challenged me to do the work I need to do. Finally, as we end, uh, this is just a short episode, but I want to remind us of the importance of contemplative practices as we do this work, that we will need to contemplate our thoughts and our actions. We will need to ponder and meditate upon the history of our nation and the injustices that have been around for centuries. Uh, We need to understand that what um, has started as slavery continues to evolve and more and more we are seeing it videotaped and put online. Uh, We are seeing evil right before us. And we need to face our own ugliness and complicity while at the same time having the compassion to hear the experiences of others, truly listening. Um, So often uh, in scriptures, for those who follow the Christian tradition, so often are the words, hear, hear, O Israel, hear, listen. And Jesus, over and over in in the New Testament and the Gospels, talks about, do you see? He says that word almost more than any other word. Do you see? Are you watching? Do you see? Do you see? And so do you see? Do you hear, my white brothers and sisters? So what I want to do as we end this episode is I want to lead us through a type of centering prayer and meditation. It will be 8 minutes and 46 seconds long. This, if you don't know, is the amount of time that George Floyd was gasping for breath as a police officer kneeled on his neck. 8 minutes, 46 seconds. So wherever you find yourself right now, Uh, I'm going to invite you to, um, as a moment of prayer, as a moment of honoring, as a moment of centering ourselves, as a moment of reflecting, as a moment of challenge, 
I'm going to invite you to sit quietly. You might want to light a candle. Maybe you'll want to kneel down or, or stand or even lay on the ground. And there will be a chime that will begin our time. And after 8 minutes and 46 seconds, another chime will sound. And then we will stand up and we will declare that black lives matter. And we will get our shovels. And we will start digging up the roots of racism. Because we are 400 years behind on this important work.
And so friends, let's get to work.